0: Thanks for pressing play. You're listening to the Brody Windsor Group on Real Estate, the podcast for homeowners seeking guidance and support on everything related to owning a home. This includes much more than just buying or selling. We've got you covered for everything from mortgages and financing to home maintenance tips, renovation and design advice, and of course, the latest insights and analysis on what's happening in our local communities. So in today's episode, my guest is Anthony Wu from Climatisation ACG. Uh, which I think stands for the AC Guys in That's English. Correct. And um, he's got a company here in the West Island that has been making a big impact in the community, uh, over 160 five-star reviews and counting. Um, so we're gonna get into a lot of great information, valuable stuff about the importance of your home's, you know, uh, HVAC system, ventilation and cooling, um, and how that can significantly improve the comfort of your home. You also get some great tips on things you can do yourself that can, uh, you know, they can get your system back up and running, and sometimes save you a lot of unnecessary service calls. And uh, and Anthony also has some great advice on, you know, what to look for if you need to purchase a a new furnace or heat pump, and. Also, he's going to give us some, uh, some tips on which government grants and loans are available to help you finance that purchase. So welcome, Anthony. It's
1: great to have you. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me here. And I'm looking forward to sharing my knowledge and experience with uh, your homeowners. Fantastic. It's great to have you. I think
0: that's one of the reasons uh, we, we started this podcast is to have great conversations with awesome people like you that we've met through our journey in, uh, in helping homeowners not only buy and sell, but also to help them maintain and understand their homes better. And obviously HVAC is a big component of that. We see it all the time, and I'm really looking forward to it. Now, I've got a ton of questions for you today, but before we get into it, I wanted to just start by asking you about you know, your, your business philosophy and how you got started, because I know you started off as a, as a tech, you were working for a company, and now you've decided to go off and start your own your own company and it's relatively new a couple of years now i think and i just want to get it you know i know that you do things quite differently than any other hvac company or contractor for that matter that that i've experienced and worked with in the past uh so i want to i want to get your thoughts on on how you started and what's your philosophy
1: absolutely uh i've been in the industry for 16 years so worked for smaller outfits in the past as i was growing up i knew Meeting people was something I really enjoyed. I grew up in the restaurant business where I had a lot of interaction with clients face to face. I was from busboy to waiter, really got the social skills and learned to deal with a lot of different clients and just learned to adapt to different scenarios. And I kind of carried that over to my service side as a technician, I knew how to approach my clients, I knew how to understand, I knew how to read clients. If I saw that they were not understanding my technical mumbo jumbo, I would have to kind of tone it down and make it more layman's term, giving examples of how things are working compared to something that they would understand. And those were the feedbacks that I got back a lot from clients. Like, Oh yeah, the last tech never explained that to me or said a bunch of stuff I didn't understand. But I told them, like, look, it works like a car or a driver, whatever, something that they do every day, they would understand. Using those feedback, I started doing them more and more. And then once I moved into the Vaudreuil area, I've been fortunate, um, my realtor at the time recommended I join this um, Facebook page, community page that no idea what it was. Joined up, signed up, did whatever. And one day someone asked me for a quote while I was uh, still working for a previous company. Went, did, gave them a quote. Notice the machine was pretty recent, f- under five years old. I'm like, you know what, let me have a look at the machine. Let me see if I can fix it first. If I fix it, I'll just bill you for the part and my time. If I don't fix it, no charge. We'll just proceed with a quote. Five minutes later, got a part. Hey, it's XYZ part. It's going to cost this much to fix. If it doesn't work, that's it. I won't charge you. I'll take the part back. No, no questions asked. Went back, did it. Machine ran for eight years. Wow. That one lady w- decided to post on the community page. Oh, look, uh, this guy Anthony came and helped me out. Very fair, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then next thing you know, next weekend, I got two messages coming in and then kind of started doing this on the side to help. Just so it was really strictly to help the community, making sure that they were not getting taken by, advantage by other contractors. And that's where I really learned that there are good guys out there. There are bad guys out there, like any industry. Mm-hmm. And my goal was to try to make a difference in the industry, at least for the community where I'm living, my neighbors, friends, families. It's really disheartening to see homeowners getting taken advantage of just because of the bottom line. I mean, I just go on
0: your, your Facebook page, right? Because you share a lot of great content um, and also the reviews I mentioned, right? Over 160 five-star reviews, which is pretty incredible. And I'm just pulling up one based on you know, the, the story you just mentioned. You know, Super honest and great company, even when not gaining anything. He's always willing to provide help. You know, he did a super job servicing my heat pump last year and this year my hose was blocked and very few professionals would explain how I could fix the issue myself and they just want to come and charge a service fee. Anthony let me know how to do it myself.
1: So that's, that's what you're talking about. Absolutely. And going back into philosophy of my business, I once, when I started my business, I started, I knew my craft very well as a technician, but. I was not into the aspect of the business side. So I started getting into personal development, reading more business books. And something that really caught me that something I s- did not realize I was doing was I was out educating my competition. I didn't have to outsell, I didn't have to outperform, but I was able to out educate, which is something that was very unique to what I was doing. That's a, and when I go back and th- think about it, it's a lot of feedback that I got back that that is exactly what I was doing. I was out educating. My competition without realizing it. And now that it clicked when I read it, I'm like, that is what I've been doing. Sometimes, you know, you do things, you're not sure if it was luck, was it timing, you just don't know what you're doing right. But when I read it from somebody else, it's like, oh, yeah. that's it.
0: You're doing it intuitively. You were an HVAC advisor, not a salesperson.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's what really helped me to my successes because I was, people could see that I was there to help and educate them. Rather than to be there to sell, sell to them, and like going back to um, growing in the community in the Facebook side, there was always a fear with keyboard warriors. You know, it, nobody's perfect. I've made mistakes in the past, but how I handle it was very different from other people, and that's why I was able to re- retain my reputation as what it is. Um, in terms of that. Community was very important to me because I knew how I started and that, those were my humble beginnings It was because of the community and that it's also leads to another part of my philosophy is Giving back to the community wherever I can So whenever I see fundraisers, I try to you know offer something from our company to give back because the com It's our, without my community. I wouldn't be where I am today. And therefore I always feel like I owe it to my community to do it Absolutely, it's amazing
0: so let's, let's change gears here and get into a little bit of the, the questions that homeowners routinely ask. And I know I've asked them myself. I've had you over doing maintenance on my house with my furnace and t- looking at my, my AC units. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how the HVAC technology has changed in recent years, you know, and, and what innovative solutions are, are now available to improve the energy
1: efficiency and, and indoor air quality of homes. So that's a very multi-layer question. So let's start with um, technological advancements in terms of performance. Quebec, actually, we have probably the highest performing machines in North America, just because of our climate, our location and hydro. It really, it's just the perfect storm for getting these heat pump systems going. I've done a lot of trainings with guys in the States. When I tell them we're running SEER 23 heat pumps, they're like, What is that? These guys are running SEER 13, SEER 14, because Southern States, they don't need heat. Well, they use heat pump, but they never drop below minus 10 down there type thing. So heat pump runs all year round for them. They don't know what a furnace is. They don't use backup heat. So for us, our technology is the fact that these new heat pumps are capable of going down to minus 30 degrees really improves on efficiency versus your furnace, oil, or gas. For example, an electric furnace would be average 15 20 kilowatts an hour for every hour it's running versus the heat pump consumes less than a kilowatt to heat the same amount of space down to minus 30 degrees so if you do the math minus 30 is probably majority 80 percent of our winter that you're going to be running your heat pump versus running that furnace so what does that mean in terms of dollars and cents that's exactly what it's going to be savings so kilowatt per hour that's what you're paying hydro quebec so Count if you are t- burning twenty kilowatts every hour, you times that by what you pay, and that's every hour you save is money back in your pocket, basically. Got it. And that's what these new heat pumps are allowing our well our climate to be able to utilize. Fun thing about that is, uh, we're now rental climate and the greener homes. They do have subsidies up to five thousand dollars for century units, um, multi mini splits also up to five thousand dollars. But that one's a bit more special. You're gonna have to get. Like one per floor, but call Rental Klima and they'll be able to guide you through that. And then what the federal government's been doing is offering the Greener Homes loan, so you're eligible. This includes the HVAC, uh, insulation, windows, anything that will improve efficiency in your home. Yeah, like you were telling me, in my
0: house, my AC unit's very old. It's probably near the end of its life. They don't make the the, the gas f- the gas anymore, so it's probably gonna you know, peter out. And at that point, it would be a good idea to replace the furnace for a high efficiency furnace and a high efficiency uh, heat pump. Correct. And I'd be eligible for one of these government loans.
1: Yeah. As long as you're doing the complete system that's for a system that's eligible, you, you become eligible for that loan. And it's a 10 year interest-free loan that the federal government's offering. And it's up to $50,000, but you could use it towards your HVAC your windows, whatever, but you have to get all your quotes together, follow procedures and get it done. Got it. Got it. And is that something
0: you can help guide your clients to, f- to find where to go for those? Absolutely. Those yeah. We got a
1: link set up that uh, we save. So if anybody wants to reach out, reach out, we'll send you over the link. You give them a call, set up an appointment. They'll tell you exactly what you need. Uh, from our end, we can provide all the, the reference numbers of the machine, uh, model numbers. We're fully certified, RBQ certified. So we we are eligible to be, con- we're eligible contractors to to execute the Got job. It. They have to be an eligible contractor on the Correct. list to be eligible. Okay. Yes. And that's very important to check. People can be, once again, it's just the world of scams nowadays. It's very important to check with your contractors, make sure they're RBQ certified because that's one of the requirements from the Renault climate and the greener homes. Make sure they're insured and, you know, check the reputations of what these guys are. We okay. get a bunch of guys we call fly by night guys that right. come in, do the job and, Good luck finding them. Yeah. Right.
0: So how about like, let's talk about what's the average lifespan of these systems. Like, you know, I know there's difference between electric furnaces, oil furnaces, gas furnaces. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. And what could we expect our our systems
1: to last? That's a very good question. I tell my clients pre nineties, you could expect 15 to 30 years life expectancy. Everybody knows it. It's the truth. Nowadays, I would tell you 10 to 15 years. Things are just, people are finding the cheapest way to make things, it's all about production now and things are being built in volume. Very unfortunate, not very helpful to the environment, but it is what it is. So I would expect that when that 10 year, most of our machines come with 10 year warranty periods. When that warranty is up, pretty much that is what I would say, if you have any major repairs beyond the 10 years, it's pretty much time to change. For one, with technological advancements, everything is very um, proprietary and controlled by now electronic boards. Boards get outdated so fast nowadays. So year eight, that board may not even exist anymore. Where I've been in the industry long enough where I've seen things being outdated within the warranty period, What what depending on the manufacturer, at least the guys I deal with, they will send a full replacement unit and be like throw in this new unit for them we pay they'll pay for everything it's cheaper to do a new unit than to replace the board because they can't make the boards anymore. outdated uh. they can't get it so for them to reproduce that board could cost them more than just getting re- selling giving out the new unit and it's then
0: cr- it's crazy it's, you see
1: this across the board things are being made to be replaced not to be fixed exactly it's very sad and that's and that's what it is and you'll just write out your 10-year warranty with that new machine so at year 10 Regardless, even though I put a year eight, you're, at year 10, your warranty's up. That's- And is, and does it make a difference on what type of uh, furnace, like electric versus oil? I know oil is being phased out. Yeah, so oil is being be phased out. Um, I'm not a licensed gas technician, so I would not be able to tell you that, but from the trainings I've had, it's gas are very reliable. It's just, you have to do the maintenance on them. Um, sure. There's a danger aspect to it. So maintenance is a bit more important on the gas side, whereas an electric element, if it burns out, it burns out there. there There's safeties in there that it won't, it'll never catch on fire and burn your house down. You'll just not be hot or you won't be warm. You'll notice temperatures dropping. Whereas gas, there is a bit more dangerous to it. There's CO2 monoxide, all that other stuff that you have to really take into consideration. But in terms of lifespan, they all last pretty long if you take care of your system. So that brings up a great point is um,
0: preventative maintenance and you know, the importance of it. And I know, we, we do this a lot with homeowners is helping them you know, understand how preventive maintenance can really prolong the life of the major components of their home, the roof, uh, the electrical, the plumbing, HVAC, also one of those key components. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what's in, what's entails like what's involved in, in a
1: proper preventative maintenance plan. How often should it be done? So th- once again, there's also different levels of understanding what preventive maintenance a lot of people are under the assumption that yes, you have to do it every year and done by professionals. I do not quite agree with it personally. I've done many jobs where there's really nothing to be done. It also depends. It's the level of education I have with my clients and how hands on they are. For example, if you're a guy that it's very handy, you'll do what it takes to save the dollar. I'm happy with that. You call me when you feel like you need me to be there but I recommend like every three, four years, at least have us come in, do a health check, and then get a deep cleaning done. A deep cleaning is not required every year. Okay. It's really every couple years. So the in-betweens, if you're handy, filters are very important, regardless of mini split, furnace filters, air filters, super important. A reason why, this is where I have problem. A lot of clients, I tell them to change a filter, but if they don't understand the why, comes in one ear, out the other ear, you just forget about it. And I'm gonna tell you the why. So this way maybe it'll, it'll stick in your head a little better. Why? When you have a blocked air filter, it's sucking up the warm air from your home and passes through what we call the, the coil inside, which is the evaporator. And the, its job is to evaporate the refrigerant. When there's no warm air coming back because your filter's all blocked, that coil which, oops sorry which gets dirty, uh, get colder and colder and colder to the point where it freezes up, which I'm sure you hear a lot of, hey, my coil's frozen, my coil's frozen. Yeah. Well, why? Because first, first issue is usually your filter or it's lacking gas, but 90% of my spring service calls is because of the filters. And as that gets colder and colder, ice will start forming on the coil. Coil is made of aluminum and copper. When that ice starts building up, what happens to ice? It expands. So it's going to eventually start crushing your coils. So the more you let your system ice up, the more your coils have the chance of getting crushed and puncture getting punctured essentially yeah. so which could lead to a much more expensive repair correct and the other thing is <clears throat> when the system is icing up that evaporator coil is no longer evaporating the refrigerant and is sending the liquid refrigerant back into the compressor which can also cause slugging in the compressor and cause compressor failure so these are signs that a homeowner could be looking out for um you know to help them know that there there may be a problem by the time they recognize there's a problem, it's already too late. Okay. That's all are on the preventive side. If they understand what can happen if they don't change a filter, a lot of people is like, why do I change a filter? You, I do get the odd case where some people get away with a filter that's been not changed for years because maybe their system has all the leakage and a lot of air passes around the filter type situation. So it's not being effective, but majority of time, if you don't do your filters, those are the issues that you're gonna have. Second preventive maintenance, it's keeping the outdoor machine clean. The outdoor machine, the coil on the the fins, you, you'll you notice many the splits. The heat pumps and, and air conditioners. Yeah. So you some grills are obvious. They're big, thin lines that you can see. But some are very encased. So you might have to look around, like, look diagonally, see what's in there. If there's a lot of dust, pollen, just take a hose, rinse it down, turn off the machine. Rinse it down from top to bottom, 45 degrees. You want to push the dirt downwards and not inwards. Got it. If you could do those two maintenance yourself there is not much need for a professional to come in unless you want just a peace of mind a health check so we will come in we'll check temperature deltas we'll check pressures for you uh visual inspection check for sounds if we hear anything funny it's more a peace of mind it's not a requirement for us to come every year so how often should the a uh, homeowner uh, do these types of cleanings and oh correct. So filters is every one to six months Filters are rated for up to six months, which clients are telling me. It says six months. It's not It's up to six months and this is you're gonna have to determine this by learning your environment Everybody lives in a different environment. How often you open your windows? How much pets you have you have carpets? How clean are you? Um, are you in a construction area all those factors like how, how have you had your ducts clean So all those factors play a lifespan of your filter. If you're not sure, I tell all my, every time I finish a job, I explain to homeowner, at one month, go go in there, pull it out. If it looks white, throw it back in. At month two, pull it out. If you start to see it changing colors to gray or you start seeing debris in there, now you know your frequency is two months. Whereas someone else's, if they are super clean, uh, single bachelor, never home, don't use the system much, their filter could be up to six months, okay. so there's a difference in um, what to watch out for in filter. But that's how you would gauge your specific household. Got it. And you mentioned, um, you know, ducks. There's
0: another, uh, you know, issue that a lot of people aren't aware of is how
1: often should they be cleaning their ducks, and how do they know that their ducks need cleaning in the first place? So same thing. Every household is different, and yeah. every environment is different. It, but it's learning to recognize it. But when you start pulling your filter, and you start seeing bunny, like dust bunnies, like big chunks of dust in your filter rack, then that's at a point where you should um, call for duct cleaning, which we have a, a partner in the industry from Breathewell that does a good job and we exclusively use him for our our clients. Uh, trusted, I've done work with him, I've worked with him to see the way he works before we started using him as our exclusive um, duct cleaning company. Um, in terms of the outdoor machine, it's always recommended at season change, so spring before you get into summer, rinse, just hose down your machine, and then in the fall before you go into winter, because if if you're using heat pump, if you're AC only, doesn't matter, you just do it in the spring because you're not using the machine. Right. But for anybody heat pump, you want to do in the winter change. There's always one more time between the spring and the summer is out in Saint Lazare area, and at least where I am in the west, uh, we get this crazy pollen storm late spring early summer so usually after that i would rinse the machine again because your system just gets kicked up again got it got it interesting
0: now how did you manage to get through the recent heat wave that we had experienced here this summer because that must have been uh extremely challenging for you because i know a lot of people will wait until the last minute they won't do some of these preventative maintenance things and then as soon as there's a heat wave and they you know, turn on the AC first thing and there's a problem. And then there's emergency calls. Uh, I need my AC. How'd you get through that?
1: Uh, Fortunately, it's, I I have a very solid team behind me. It's not just me. So I have a team that's willing to put in the time to do it. I have an amazing, I'm in trying to keep track of everything, but it's just putting the hours. The other thing that we've done was we were, we actually purchased a pallet of um, window air conditioners to help in the meantime, if, for example, if I showed up at a diagnostic and couldn't get the parts done, or if I called the supplier and they're like, yeah, that part is gonna be four weeks wait. You know, if there's circumstances where people in medical conditions, seniors, pregnant women, newborns, uh, people that just cannot handle the, like legitimately cannot handle the heat for health issues. You know, we would deploy, I'll have my team deploy um, some of these window units to at least give them some comfort while waiting for our work. Um, Same thing for installations because I only have one installation team and these guys are booked two, maybe three weeks out at a time. And I seen where some situations people cannot wait that period of time. So we just went out to do what we can and went out to get window units to deploy them. And keep what a, people gr- there. what a
0: great idea. I mean, I saw that on Facebook and I was just like, wow, there's another great example of, you know, missionary versus mercenary. It's that Absolutely. mindset you talk about it's your, your point of view about, you know, serving the community, Uh, And you wouldn't be in business without, without them. So you're really thinking of them first and you're thinking outside the box, creative, innovative solutions on, because most, most companies would just be like, well, I can't be there for for two weeks or three weeks. Sorry. And you've come up with a solution to that problem that has just made a huge difference in people's lives.
1: Yeah. So another aspect is uh, with technology, technology, we've been able to do I've been doing a lot of virtual troubleshooting between calls i'm on call with other clients so from my drive from point a to point b i would take a client if i read a, the summary that my assistant puts up it's like oh it's a water leakage these are clients that i believe that i can fix on the spot or at least with a phone call so i would call these clients in between point a and point b for example that that review you read was one of those clients that from point a to point b i gave her a call she's like yep give me a little description of what's happening Oh, it's a furnace, you see this? Okay, do you see the drain line? Yes, get a shop vac, go clean it out, suck it out. 90% of the time it'll solve your issues, let me know. Boom, hang up, get to my next call. End of the day, I usually just follow up with these clients just to make sure everything looking good, what happened? They usually tell me everything's good, I no longer need to call in. So that's how I've been able to also cut back on calls and not having to show up to calls, what I call nuisance calls. I do not feel good going to a call and charging $200 just to vacuum your drain or to change a filter. So these are things I try to get my clients to do before I show up and see if I really do need to show up. And that's at least another part of my Facebook page where I try to give all this information to my clients to enable them to make these calls themselves before having to spend the money. Some people absolutely want zero to do. They're afraid to touch anything. I get it. We'll do it. But for anyone that, you know, wants to try and learn something, there's always opportunity. And that's how I've been able to kind of mitigate some of my calls and, you know, try to capitalize on. Like, we're not making money on those calls. Like I said, I wasn't charging. But it's more about building the community and empowering my clients. Building trust.
0: Absolutely. That's what it's all about. And that's the thing in today's world is you don't know who to trust. It's one of the reasons we started the homeowners advisory club is because we kept getting that feedback is a, I don't know what I should be doing and B, I don't know who to call and who I can, who I can trust. And those three things, if we can help people with that by connecting them with a community of like minded service providers like yourself, well that gives people peace of mind and that community grows. And I know your community is amazing. I've seen, um, I've seen it grow on Facebook. I've heard it just through through our clients when we referred you, and, and people have called you, and and the feedback that they get. So I just want to commend you for for that because you're you. you're doing something different. It's it's really amazing. So I want to talk about today's climate change, which is becoming more and more real as we're we're experiencing. I think you mentioned earlier that. You know, these heat waves are becoming more intense, uh, more frequent, more frequent. And I wanted to talk about sort of how that's affecting, you know, heating and cooling. Whereas, you know, we see in a lot of older homes, um, you know, standalone AC units that are only used in the summer for cooling. And also in the winter, a lot of people have, you know, these wood burning stoves um, and things like that. Oil oil furnaces as well that are you know being phased out. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how climate change and what's the trend now towards um, the equipment being now recommended and used
1: for heating and cooling. That's a very interesting question because I actually just had this discussion with another client who about ten years ago made the decision to go straight AC with uh, oil oil furnace. It made sense at the time, and she was telling me how she regretted. I'm like, you, there's no regret at the time. It is what it is. Technological advancements in the last couple years, like less than five, six years, is where the heat pump industry really jumped. When you went from AC to a traditional heat pump where it was only minus 10, even at minus 10, it was already losing 60% of its efficiency. So it wasn't really doing much, and that is why, at the time, using that backup heat, you don't have a choice and you're not saving much. However, with the last couple years of technological advancement with heat pump technology getting down to minus 30 degrees, that is where you're gonna see a bigger gap in savings. So now not only are you getting to minus 10 with 60% efficiency, you're getting down to minus 30 with 80% capacity on heat pump. Heat pump air is a bit more mild. It's not as intense, so it doesn't dry out your home as much. Mm. So that's another issue that a lot of people will experience with straight electrical baseboards, uh, electrical heating, gas heating, oil heating. The heat is just so intense that it vaporizes all the humidity in the air. Heat pump air will, take a bit longer to run but it's a milder heat which is more comfortable should you have a humidifier as well once again environmental every house is different home envelopes uh how you use a home if you cook a lot you have plants in the home how many people are breathing all that will affect humidity if you don't have anything and it's super dry then yes you do need a humidifier what should the ideal range be in in a home in terms of humidity so it ranges from thirty-five to sixty-five percent. Those are the two extreme windows you do not want to surpass. Okay. Below thirty, below thirty-five percent runs dry. You could dry out your furniture, dust mites, uh, cough, itchy throat, all kinds of other stuff. Over sixty-five percent, you run into swelling, mold issues. Now you get humidity getting into places where they're not supposed to. Ideal is between the forty and fifty. That's the window that you try to keep your house at it throughout the year got it and which that's kind of leads into ieq going forward what's ieq ieq indoor air quality oh, okay so indoor air quality just basically four pillars of indoor air quality temperature which is usually controlled by your HVAC, well your air conditioning system or heating system humidity ventilation and filtration those are the four pillars of indoor air quality so temperature is controlled by your heat pump and your furnace Humidity is controlled by your air conditioner if you are not using a dedicated dehumidifier, air exchanger, or humidifier. So depending on what part of the year, that's a misconception we get. A lot of people don't understand how to use an air exchanger. I was going to ask about air exchangers. So let's go through each one. Um, To dehumidify in the summertime, mainly most people use the air conditioner. Longer it runs, the better it will dehumidify. Most people don't have a dedicated dehumidifier. Using an air exchanger in the summertime is a little bit pointless because you have to imagine an air exchanger as in you're opening a window. You're taking fresh air from outside. If the air is outside, it's more humid than the air inside. What are you doing? You're bringing the humidity into your home, so you're not really dehumidifying your home. And you're bringing all that heat. So typically, we don't use it. When you use it, in the wintertime where the outside air is drier than the inside air. So that's how you have to understand the air exchanger, how that works. It's using the outside, nature's air to compensate for the air inside your home. So it only works well if you're more humid than outside. Okay, so does, it,
0: um, does the age of the home affect that? Because I've heard that air exchangers are installed in newer construction homes because the envelope is much tighter. There's much more um, insulation and seals where an older home has a lot of less and has more
1: breathability, I guess. Absolutely. And that's why it comes back down to understanding your home. So now for older homes, for example, because they don't have air change now they're also getting all that dry air from outside. That's where you're going to have to put humidity. Usually humidity, you only have to add in the winter time because summertime you're trying to get rid of the humidity in your house because it's not comfortable. But once it starts drying out, then that's where humidifier comes into play. Humidifiers are made to add humidity into a home. Yeah. So, for example, older homes, because they lose so much or they're taking in so much dry air from outside, then they would need to have a humidifier, which now comes back to newer homes where the envelopes are so tight, they may not need a humidifier because it's already so much that they need that air exchanger because they're not their humidity is not being exhausted any other way. Got it. And then filtration is filters and possibly air purifiers for uh for filtration just to collect um particles in the air just so that you're not breathing in crap so we hear like hepa filters and things like that that would and what are
0: the different uh, so hepa filters
1: filters? is one of the highest graded filters They're, they're rated by MRF ratings the lower the rating the bigger the holes are in the filters basically the higher the rating, the smaller the holes are, the more they catch. So I guess that also depends on,
0: again, personal susceptibility to, you know, if you've got if you've got issues with
1: you exactly know, health issues, so lung issues. Is, that is where it depends on how much money you're going to spend because of your conditions. If you're an average Joe where you're healthy and everything, a standard MRF 8 to MRF 10 filter, plenty enough. It'll protect the system, it protects you, but then we get the conditions where- Asthmatic. Asthmatic. Exactly. Then you don't have a choice to go HEPA. HEPA does cost more, but they also have to be changed more often. So it does cost, but it's for a medical reason, it's justified. So an average person does not have justification to say they need HEPA just because, unless they want to spend the money to to have it. Got it.
0: Are there any particular HVAC-related myths or misconceptions
1: that you'd like to debunk that, that you hear a lot? Absolutely. Refilling Freon that is one that it's been around forever. That's why everyone first thing call me is like, I need my Freon refilled. Why? Oh, just because it's not cooling, but because everyone's gone into a mentality where they think it's like a vehicle where they use rubber hoses and Freon does leak through the hoses over the age in the HVAC system. These are all welded copper lines. They're good in the system for life. If at any point we have to refill the system, it's because there's a leak in the system it's not normal to say i have to come every year to fill you up it, that is a myth that's because the technician never took the time to find a leak or did not advise the client that there's a leak so that happened to me before i met you
0: my my old house where i had constantly it's not working oh your freon's low we got to fill up your freon and he would come back new service call you can imagine how much that so you're you a believer
1: that they believed in the tech that didn't know everybody had to refill it and everyone's like yeah i'm due for my annual fill up i'm like you had a history of this but like, yeah another guy's been coming the last whatever x amount of years i'm like did he ever do anything about it no he just comes and fill it up every spring at 600 dollars a pop yep count five years down you're due for a new machine you could have paid for a new machine with all that filling it's usually when we do the job when we have to fill if I don't know the history of the machine, i would never done anything with it, we'll fill up once. Depending on how much I fill, I advise the client, look, there is a leak. The leak could be so minor that it will take me more time to find the leak than it's worth to repair the leak. So there's different, different options when it comes to leaking units. We have sealants and UV dyes that we would inject as a first timer. If you're not sure if the hole is tiny. And I see that there's still enough pressure in the system, but just missing a little bit. But if your system was flat out empty, then the hole is pretty significant. And that's where you would either want to depend on the age, take the time to find the leak, see if it's repairable, or you cut your losses and go towards a new system. Very interesting. Thank
0: you. And then there was one thing I wanted to ask you about, which was the the increase and rise in smart home technology. And how is that tying into HVAC systems
1: and is that that making a big difference? Absolutely. That is actually one of my favorite. Being a younger generation tech, I love technology and I follow a lot of the technology. I know not everybody's into the whole technology thing because it's listening to you, this and that, radiation. I get it. But there is big advancements in the technologies. For example, um, something that we include with our installation for central systems are the Ecobee's. Advantage of the EcoBees, it graphs out everything that is happening in your system. So, for example, if you call me uh, on a weekend, if, instead of me coming out to you, sometimes things can be resolved. So, I would ask for access to your EcoBe. I will log in and look at your data chart and look at your graph. And it's like, oh, I see that. Yeah, you're calling for air conditioning, but the temperature is dropping, but slowly. Hey, maybe check your filters first. Make sure your machine is clean because I see it's calling and it's working but struggling. But if I see your graph is going the other way and nope, temperatures rising regardless of the call, then nope, you definitely have an issue. I'm gonna have to send someone out to have a look. Um, this is in the preliminary stages of remote diagnostics. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually in the process of um, partnering up with another company from the US that are still trying to get the Canadian certification is remote monitoring, which is gonna be a subscription-based system where we set up monitors in your ductwork and your system and it will alert us from water leakage. It's doing some water sensor and temperature sensors. So when it starts to see that temperatures are getting out of a operating window, it will send me an alert and send you an alert. This way I can review it and I could either preemptively call you or at least you know something's starting to happen with your machine. Whether your filters are dirty or whatever, at least you're gonna preemptively look at your machine before it gets to a point where Now you got
0: a $2,000 bill of damage. Well, that's huge. I think because that's the biggest problem is out of sight, out of mind,
1: right? Exactly. Homeowners
0: just don't think about it.
1: And that's where I I believe technology is the way of the future. It's being able to use technology to monitor and prevent further issues. It's amazing. Um,
0: As an HVAC specialist, what are some of your most memorable sort of projects uh, that you've worked on and any lessons that you learned you know, anything that, that was
1: unusual or out of the ordinary. In terms of project, nothing crazy. We've, I mean, after 16 years, we've done so much work that everything looks the same, but one of my early projects is uh, handling bigger, um, construction units like condos, like doing, you know, being responsible for 30 units at a time. That's where working for smaller outfits. We don't have a project manager. We don't have a team that is there coordinating everything. Me, the technician on site. I was responsible for doing the work, planning the work, coordinating the work and everything. I think that's where it helped me learn a bit more about management and, you know, being able to having to plan with others and not just myself. There's so much coordination going on with construction sites that I need to talk to electrician. I got to talk to plumbers and stuff. So it really gave me just an insight on what it takes to operate a team versus being just a technician being operated by someone up there. That's amazing. So So that's where that's really
0: helped you now with your
1: team and how to manage your team effectively. Absolutely. And that's how we gradually, you know, taking on little responsibilities at a time until you realize that, you know, add everything up. It's what really got me here. So, you know, lesson of the day is even though you doing more work than what you're paid for, it pays off in the long run to just you know, in the early days is where you need to bite the bullet and just do whatever it takes to get to wherever you need to go well you're playing the long game and inevitably
0: when you come from a position of of service and giving it always comes back to you
1: you know much much greater doesn't it absolutely and that's what you know that's one of the pillars of my beliefs for my businesses you know we take we gotta give so it's always about the long game and building a relationship with the community and being a name that our community can trust So that brings me to a point, um, tell us a
0: little bit about this, uh, the school bag drive that you started three years ago and you've assembled a a lot of supporters in the community. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: So that is an interesting one. My sister has, my sister's a social butterfly. She does all kinds of stuff and she met um, a lady from um, an organization who helps uh, immigrant families or families that low income families that just cannot afford to. Have the supplies for school, and this started off as just—it's a little project that my family or my immediate family, my sister, my mom, my dad, my brother—we did it together. It's just, you know, our, collect our old stuff. When I was buying stuff for my kids, bought an extra pencil case, whatever. You know, gave them. We started three years ago was like five school bags type thing, you know, and then they were like we when we went to deliver it, we saw how happy the organization was for five bags you know, you know, that made five kids be able to go to school and be happy. So second year, um, we did it again. We did something like 10 bags or whatever. No big deal. Then as we grew, I started my own business. My sister is doing well in her financial business. And then she's also growing a network and once again, getting into these community pages and building the reputation and seeing if you put a call out, if you don't ask, you don't get, so, but we put a call out and just to test the water that first year of my business is, I felt like, you know what, I'm in a position I could do more. So we donated 10 bags from our company to, um, to the school, well, to the organization. And then the community was a phenomenal response there. oh, I want to help. I want to help there is no such thing as too little when you want to help. Whether you donate one pencil, one school bag or a full school bag, someone else is going to benefit from it. And then just since then, it's just, uh, it just snowballed. And since last year was my first year doing it with my company and not personally, I saw success of what my company's reputation was able to bring from the community. So using my company to leverage help from the community also gave me an idea. It's like, why not? You know, it's, It's a trust, trusted brand that we're donating and we got all the pictures. We show everyone what we do. And then last year we did 75 bags, which was our record personally for, um, the organization. So this year we're going for a hundred bags. It's amazing. In week one, we hit almost 50% mark.
0: So is it still going on right now? Absolutely. how, How can people help if they want to get involved?
1: Yeah, so uh, this year we cut it short because uh, we're leaving f- town for family vacation towards the end of the month. So we're August 15th is our cutoff date, which we got about 10 more days left to do this. Um, we got a drop-off point in the West Island in DDO, which is my, my parents' place. Uh, we got my sister's place in Vaudreuil and also my place in Vaudreuil. Those are for physical donations. If you want to donate a gently used bags or any extra school supplies, pencils, eraser, dual tanks, paper, construction, glue, whatever, general school supplies... And then we also accept monetary donations. The equivalent is uh, it, we're averaging about $50 a bag. So for $50, you pretty much sponsor one kid, and my mom will go and collect, go fill up a bag, and that's it. That's awesome. So it's fun also meeting contractors, for example. Um, those were actually... It's because of my local contractors that I got so much support from them that it allowed me, us to get to that 75 bag last year. This year, we're on pace to hit our target of a hundred, if not surpass it. That's amazing. See how like, it's amazing how the community rallies together when there's
0: a great cause and, and there's great people leading like you. I mean, we've seen it with, with the women's shelter that uh, the Royal Lepage supports and, uh, and you know, I think that's a, that's a key, like you said, being a pillar in your own community and, and helping people in that local community, it's, um, it's really something special. So congratulations to you on, Thank you. on, on all that accomplishment. So thanks again for being here and let us know, how can we find you, uh, on, you know, how can we find your, your climatization ACG and where can people go if they want to
1: help with the, uh, with the school bag drive? So for my company, the best way is uh, Facebook. That's where I grew my business and it's, that's where I have my admin checking all my messages. So it's climatization ACG on Facebook. You could also Google our company. Uh, phone number is 514-883-1972. That goes to our company. You text us. Any one of those ways are is good enough to reach us. For donations, uh, you could just reach out to our company page, give me a call, send us a text message, and we can arrange pickup. If you cannot deliver, we will send someone to go collect for you, and that's it. Our e-transfers for uh, monetary donations we will send you an email.
0: Awesome. Any- Fantastic. I love talking to you, Anthony. I learn something new every time. It's, uh, it's inspiring. I love hearing your story and uh, best of, continued success and best of luck. Thanks a lot, Scott. Take care. Take care.